We all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, recently, the release schedule has been uh, a little bit hit and miss as some general life stuff's been going on. And I've also done a couple of group episodes, which has kind of circumvented the normal one-on-one interview format that I've traditionally been holding. But we're back on course uh, with a singular guest. This week, we are speaking to author, actress, comedian, and broadcaster, Samantha Baines. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. There we go. Now, you are you are one of my sort of random hit and hope uh, sort of canvases for, for a guest through Instagram. <laughs> it worked very well as well because I was literally online as you sent the message. And I always love those like serendipitous moments where it's just like, it just happens at the right because I get asked to do a lot of things that I want to say yes to all of them but obviously at certain times in your life you're like running around like a headless chicken mm-hmm. um so it was lovely to be able to go in my inbox yes and then you were like 10 tracks and I just sent them straight to you then and it was like boom boom let's go oh no it's, it's wonderful when a guest sends them like it's it's wonderful almost a little bit unnerving when someone can send the 10 tracks literally <laughs> within the, the first five minutes of chatting. It's happened a few times, like, wow, that they, they really knew what they were doing. But I've got a suspicion that we've met previously in the past. Now, Samantha, did you participate in a comedy course in 2013 at the Mitre Pub in London? Like a two-day comedy course. The Laughing Horse? Yes. What? It, when, when was it? 2013 yeah yeah we were on the same course yeah because you look familiar oh my god that was that was my route into stand-up comedy and I always I can never remember when it was I'm gonna write that down 2013 well I dug out the original confirmation email trying to figure out exactly (gasps) when it was what time of year was it 
Oh, I would have to double check, but it was because um, it was ran by uh, Lewis Bryan. Yes. Um, and I travelled down from the Midlands and stayed with a friend specifically to do this course. And I, I, I only told a couple of people that I was even contemplating doing stand up at the time. So it was kind of cloak and dagger for me. And the, and the course was quite technical as well. They crammed a lot yeah, it in. Was, it, it was great for me because I was in a sketch group at the time. And so I'd been in that stand-up comedy environment a lot. And so I could have just gone and done a set somewhere, but I wanted to just like be handheld a little bit and starting. Yeah. But that's so funny because people always ask me when I started stand-up comedy and I could never remember the year. So I've been doing it for eight years since yeah. then. That's mental. Yeah. yeah, I shouldn't say mental. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's well. I mean, it, it 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 you could you could call it crazy. You know, the amount of time that can that can fly by when you're doing something that you're enthusiastic about. So uh, I I had a feeling it was you. I was just like, I wonder yeah. if it is. There we go. And now I don't have to cut. Well, the hello else. again. How's things going? Uh, not bad. I mean, like, you know, apart from the world burning uh, and the plague, it's been, been great. Um, and still... we're both comedians, so it worked. Yeah, indeed. Um, and and still enjoying it. And I don't know about you, but I've kind of had to rediscover my love of it a little bit since the world opened up again. Because I put it to one side for the best part of a year because I couldn't take thinking about it without being able to go out and do it I think it would have driven me a little bit mad so I just kind of shelved it well I I sort of I was doing stand-up you know pretty much all the time and doing tours and stuff and then I did a show in the West End called Magic Mike and then after that that and that I stopped that at the first lockdown um and after that I sort of have taken a bit of a break from doing live stand-up comedy and it's actually been nice and I've just you know been writing children's books and enjoying being funny in different ways which has been quite fun so I'm not saying I'll never go back to doing live stand-up and doing tours and stuff but for the moment I'm sort of enjoying doing other things and making people laugh in different mediums <laughs> that isn't just my face talking at them that's fine that's all good so Usually I ask every guest how they approached making the mixtape. And a lot of people will say, oh, they agonized over it. You know, how can I only pick 10? You sure I can't have 11? But you fired this back pretty quickly. So were these already at the forefront of your mind? Well, I, I, I think I wanted it to be the most eclectic mixtape you've ever had. Um, and I feel that I may have achieved that. I think I have I have lots of loves in music and they're very far reaching. And so I wanted to like show how, um, how eclectic my music taste is. But yeah, all of these tracks were like in the forefront of my mind and like what I listen to. And there's different songs for, so like my favorite songs for different moods I'm in and songs I listen to with my sisters, me and my sister, my younger sister, she comes over and we have like little nights where we like chat and have a fire in my fire pit in the garden. And so there's songs that 
she's introduced me to and then there's also songs that my dad introduced me to he's you know not around anymore he passed away but when I was younger he was always playing like certain types of music and so there's songs that's kind of he's brought into my life so yeah there's a real there's a real mix there and straight away I just thought it would be fun to think of like the first 10 that spring to mind and not try and make it like you know because I've hosted radio shows before where I have to choose a selection of songs to kind of take you through the show and and take you on a journey and I so I've thought about that kind of aspect of of a playlist before and I thought this would just be fun to think of my first 10 songs and go with it and see what happens it's definitely eclectic so who's your first track by my first track is of course by the legend that is Cher. And I believe the first time she's ever been selected for an episode of Mixtapes. So you've got a first right off the What? Bat. Who have you been interviewing? What's wrong with these people? Cher is like... So I went to see her in concert and her, her last tour that she did. Um, and I made my friend go with me. I was like, look, this might be our last chance. She's 400 years old. We have to go and see her live. Mm-hmm. And I knew it would be, I mean, obviously different parts of her are different ages, but overall she's probably 400 years old. And I knew that it would be a spectacle seeing her live. And it really was. And we got seats like... 10 rows back from the front um, and it was like in Wembley and it was incredible and she's incredible I can't believe she just even stood up for that long like I was tired just standing up for that long in the audience after traveling there and home and she's like doing all these dance routines and she just makes me feel joyous and happy and her music has spanned so much time and like different um not really genres of music but different fashions in the music and pop industry and no she's done the auto tune she's done the duet like i just love her and this particular track is from a film and it makes me laugh when i saw it in the film it made me laugh hysterically I mean I love Cher I wasn't laughing at Cher but it's the way that it's in a musical and it's the way that in musicals they just go from talking to bursting into song and Cher just did it in such a committed way um, that it made me laugh out loud with like just because it was (laughs) very strange but also wonderful and (laughs) joyous to see Um, and so uh this track is is important to me because it it just makes me smile so much um and it's a cover as well of one of her favorite bands well i think i think Cher is probably one of those artists and it's been said by a few people that i wouldn't think to go to see live but if i happen to find myself in that situation, I would probably be astounded by the show itself and probably walk out a converted person. Well, yeah, is she puts on a spectacle and also she just got so much life experience and like joy for life and like she, you know, there's like acrobatics in the show and then there's a huge 
life-size fake elephant that she rode in on the head of. It's just like a proper, like, old-school, spectacular live show. Um, and also, I think, you know, she is a, she's obsessed with Mamma Mia and ABBA. And that is the film that she was in. And so she's covered all of their music. Um, and I was so happy to see her in Mamma Mia 2, even though she's sort of, it's like she's in a different world and movie from the rest of the people in the film. Like she just appears, she's, her eyes are like half open the whole time that she's talking, like she's maybe sleeping while she's doing it. <laughs> um, but then she does this musical number um, and it's just, it just makes me smile every single, even even thinking about it makes me smile and makes me want to go and look it up on YouTube and watch it. Um, I love it. And also I should say, I was in, you know, Spotify does that thing of the end of the year of like, you're in the top 1% of huge fans of this person. I was in the top of share fans and I can't believe I like, I must have beat so much of the gay community um, <laughs> by being in that. And I'm very proud to be amongst them in that top 1% or whatever it is, being a massive share fan. Amazing. So this is? This is Fernando, uh, an ABBA cover by Cher. Okay, so moving on from Cher, who are we listening to now? So this is, I feel like I've started off with the things that make me smile. So second is RuPaul, a uh, big fan of the drag queen Ru and um, the drag race shows, absolutely love them all. And every series, uh, Ru gets together with some of the finalists and they do a song together and they release it which is just a brilliant bit of business savvy from <laughs> from the whole team of like, the show's doing really well, so let's release a song and try and make money from that also. Um, and one of my favorite songs, I don't I don't even think I've seen properly this this series that it's from, but it's just my favorite when I uh, tell my Alexa to shuffle play RuPaul songs, when this one comes on, it's just got that beat in the background that I love. So this is the one I like dance around my kitchen to when I'm making a cup of tea and try and try and do the, I'm going to call them raps. They're not raps, but you know, the speak sings uh, mm -hmm. by the contestants of the verses. <laughs> try and remember all the words. Um, yeah, so this one makes me very happy as well. Yeah, I think it never occurred to me to even look for RuPaul as a musical artist. But it didn't surprise me when I saw the track. I was just like, of course she makes music as well. Um, and But the music is in the show. Have you seen Drag Race? I've never I've never brought wow. myself to start watching it. So like it's one of those things where I'd quite like to try it, but I can't convince the wife to come along with me to try a couple of episodes. I think she's kinda doesn't doesn't fully understand it, so like doesn't I just need to I need to work on her a little bit because I think it's one of those shows that as soon as you've watched 
one or two episodes it pulls you in because I see people who have nothing to do with the sort of LGBTQ community and, and like um, and, and drag and they get and they are so in. Well, it's it's just a show to enjoy. Like you don't have to have anything. You don't have to be a drag queen to watch it, um, and you don't have to be part of the LGBTQI plus community. Obviously, you can be, but um, it's just a joyous show. And actually, I think I think you and your wife should watch it because it will also teach you a lot about the history of drag, and they talk a lot about you know all the contestants the struggles they've been through in their life and the and the struggles with you know their family um and struggles within their queerness and the gay community and um they even talk about like really serious things like illnesses and aids and uh, addiction that they've had so it's not all just fun and games and sequins um but it is also that as well so i think they're brilliant shows and I think everyone should watch them just for joy but also education um, but yeah Rue Rue is not the greatest singer in the world um, but <laughs> the the songs that, that uh, they create and the whole like drag race team are incredible and she's incredible and yeah they're just fun dancey songs and this one is no different I remember there was a, a comedy show of hers that was being played on BBC Two at one point. And I was quite young at the time, didn't fully understand what I was seeing, but I was still fascinated and, and very entertained by her whole kind of aura and the kind of attitude that, that she carries. Uh, I, I, I thought she was great. Like I, I love a bitchy comedian. You know, so, so someone who, who who makes really sort of snidey comments, but you know that it's all in fun. Um, I've always I've always loved that. And well, that is drag. So you'll love drag. Okay, so this is this is read you wrote you, and I want you to feel the beat when you're listening by RuPaul. Okay, moving on from RuPaul, who's up next? Britney, obviously, the trio. Cher, RuPaul, and then Britney. Um, I've also seen Britney in concert. My friend actually is a huge Britney fan, so she wanted to go. And this was before all the free Britney stuff was happening and all the con uh, conservatorship with her dad. Um this was in kind of the Britney heyday when she wore that see-through bodysuit with like diamante on it and sat in a martini glass. It was that tour that we went to see. And, and also I think Britney's been there in my life a lot. I remember being in year seven at secondary school and that's when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. Or maybe it was year six, but it was about that like teenage time. So it felt very relevant to us. 
and um, and I remember us singing it at school, like when we were waiting to go into class and singing all the words and talking about the music video. Um, and everyone was like obsessed with this new pop star. And and again, I guess a lot like uh, Cher, Britney's been through so many different phases in her kind of music and her different albums. And she snogged Madonna, like loads has happened. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy it. But this particular song is my go-to karaoke song. So I am an actor, but I'm not a musical theater actor but I do love karaoke. And obviously I have a lot of acting friends who are always up for karaoke. So I've had very many fun nights out in a karaoke booth, just howling away with some cocktails. And and yeah, this is, this is my go-to, like, it's a good pitch for me. I know I can do it justice. I can have a bit of fun with it because it's a little bit rocky. Um, it's another cover. Um, and I know all the words off by heart by now as well, so I don't have to like focus on the words in the karaoke booth. I can really just go to town. Um, <laughs> so that's why I included this one because it's played a large role in uh, entertaining my friends in my life. So it's important. See, I, I've only done karaoke a couple of times, so I don't have a song. I don't have like a, a go-to pick that I would do. I haven't, I haven't found it yet. I've maybe I've realised since uh, doing previous episodes of this that maybe some something by the Killers because I've I've realised that I can. That's, I can, that's a classic. I can sing one. It, yeah, I can sing in that range fairly comfortably. Whereas you would never want to go up there and pick something and, and overreach and then and not quite not quite hit the well no you do have to do if you're in a karaoke booth you have to do that but first of all you want to start with the like set the tone i know where i am let's have fun and then the more cocktails you have or the more you just get involved then by the end you're doing frozen let it go and no one's hitting any notes but everyone's having a lovely time. And that's the point of karaoke, is joy. I can't believe you've never done it. Look at you with your, all the guitars up on the wall. You've got a music playlist podcast. <laughs> I would think it was like your remit, like preparation well, for recording the pod. Well, this this, this came up in with Dan Nightingale in his episode. And I, I theorised that the reason I hadn't done it is because before comedy, I was a gigging musician. So... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have this burning desire to get on stage at a karaoke bar because I was going on stage in a di- to do music in a different context. Um, but... Oh, we're not talking about karaoke bars on stage. That's too far. I'm talking about a dark booth that you hire for two hours and is soundproofed, and you and your friends go into a small room with seats and you just do it for each other, not in front of other people. It's well, not. You... It's not about the performance. It's about the shared screaming you make it sound a little bit seedy at the beginning of that description but i have i have it done is. that the, the, the two times i've done it was once was a karaoke bar in the states and the second time was a a, a booth that was just for our lot uh, on a mm. night out in london um so like I, I have done both but uh but yeah i think 
think I think that just spells out that I need to do it more, if anything. So when so when you go to karaoke, don't do this one because this is my go-to, right? Don't steal it. But this is "I Love Rock and Roll" by Britney Spears. So that's Brittany. Who's up next? Well, I mean, we're keeping on the same thread. The first five are along similar, like joyous, dancing in your kitchen, like pop, fun. Um, so next we've got Miley Cyrus. Um, the the original sort of um, next door neighbor, every girl that then became uh, <laughs> leather wearing uh foam finger licking kind of rocky i'm gonna rage against authority and the industry um so she's had a very eventful musical career i think from where she started out in like the disney world Mm -hmm. um but this song is just so catchy and actually it's a memorable one for me because before I was doing BBC radio, I did local radio as kind of my way to, you know, practice and see how it all worked. And uh, Wrecking Ball was one of the first songs I ever played on my own local radio show. Um, and I think it was popular at the time. So it was, around, it was out around that time when I was doing my, my sort of first shows. And also, if you enjoy Lip Sync Battle, um, which is an American TV show where celebrities lip sync to famous songs and then also dress up as the musician, um, there's an excellent cover of this song by Anne Hathaway, who is being Miley Cyrus doing Wrecking Ball and she even jumps onto a wrecking ball on the stage and licks a hammer and she does the whole thing and it's incredible you can get it on youtube um so yeah this is another one that brings me joy and it's it's another one that i can like belt out in my kitchen and it makes me feel i think on those days where i'm like frustrated and angry and feeling a little bit like a wrecking ball um i can play this song and like belt it out and like let out some frustration so you've got some sort of pop catharsis going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's that's what a wonderful thing about music, I think. I'm sure a lot of people you've had on the pod and they're very cool and they've got very cool playlists of, like, artists you've never heard of that have, like, incredible stories and they're just all about the art, um, which is amazing. But my music in my life is about catharsis, joy, dancing around and memories as well um and so yeah this is this is definitely another one for your sing in the kitchen playlist Okay, so moving on from Miley Cyrus, who are we listening to now? 
So this is the final one in our sort of pop celebration of joy, half of the playlist, Shania Twain. Absolute icon. First woman I saw rocking leopard print, and I'm now a divorced lady, and I have a podcast called The Divorce Social where I interview other divorced people. So leopard print is now a way of life for me. And I try and model myself on Shania Twain on a daily basis. Um, also, she's quite, this is quite like a feminist. Some of her songs have this kind of strong feminist kind of I am woman, hear me roar angle. Guess a little bit like Miley Cyrus, um, which I quite enjoy. And um, Shania Twain was another one that I used to try and do in karaoke. I used to, my first go-to karaoke song was You're Still the One by Shania Twain, which in hindsight, it's a very hard song to do in karaoke. I would not, if you've never been karaoke before, don't go in on that one. It's um, it's it's a hard thing to do. That's some top karaoke advice there for you. But no, I love Shania Twain. Um, and me and my mum used to sing along to this one in the car on journeys. Like if it ever comes on the radio, me and my mum would be like belting it out and having a little boogie. So I've got nice memories of this one as well. Okay, so this is? This is Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Okay, so moving on from Shania Twain. This next one I had <laughs> never heard of and it wasn't available on Apple Music by the artist you put forward, but a different version of it was. But I found the version you put forward on Spotify, so the listener will have, have slightly different versions of it depending on where they're listening. But where the hell did you find this? Who is this? Well, this is to bring a bit of the comedy side of me into the playlist and also to break up between the pop joy and what's coming next. Um, this was introduced to me by my sister. It's basically a comedy song. I don't really know any backstory about it, but my sister found it through one of her weird music trolls that she does on uh, Spotify and other streaming platforms. And she played it at my house and it's just become like a running joke. And sometimes it's very catchy and it gets in your, it's a bit like crazy frog catchy. It mm. gets in your head. And now at random times, we just start singing it to each other. Um, it's by Yog, the Yogs cast, which I've no idea like anything. Have they done anything else? Are they even a they? We don't know. But there's also a remixed version of it, which is incredible, which is like a dance house version. Um, and basically, it's just one sentence repeated over and over again, which is, I am a dwarf and I'm digging a hole. Um, but it's, it's, it just makes us laugh so much and it's become like a running joke. And I'm sorry to bring it into your life because it's going to get stuck in your head. And at some point later today, you're going to start singing it. But you might feel the joy like we do and 
it, it kind of it have a party. It kind of struck me as the sort of thing you would get in some sort of buccaneer-inspired musical. You know, there was this kind of uh, almost military-like kind of sort of plodding, marching rhythm to it. Um, and I could uh, just looking at the title and listening to the lyrics, I was kind of picturing almost like a Lord of the Rings-style musical in my head. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I see what you mean about the catchiness. I mean, it's it, like Crazy Frog or, or like a like a Baby Shark type affair. It's it's gonna become a bit of an earworm for it. anyone who, who listens. So, um, you're you're welcome, or I'm sorry to <laughs> or the listener. Sorry, probably uh, sorry. But um, but no, there's it's so much joy. I sort of imagine it more as like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs got trendy, and then like got <laughs> together and like set up a home like uh, music studio uh, after you know she married the prince and whatever and then they were like let's let's record a song together and then this happened okay so this is this is diggy diggy hole by the yogs cast So moving on from Diggy Diggy Hole. So Diggy Diggy Hole's broken things up for us. I feel like it's a palate cleanser. It's like that little bit of ice cream that you have in the middle of uh, courses and posh meals. Um, And then the next one is a little bit of my Irish heritage coming out. So again, this was introduced to me by my sister. It's kind of Irish folky and it's, um, it's called Anne Bonnie. And it's about the tale of Anne Bonny, who is an Irish female pirate. And um, near where my family live in Ireland is a castle, which is said to be kind of, it's a very small castle, but it's said to be part of the Anne Bonny kind of legend. And there's information about her when you kind of walk down by the river outside this kind of castle structure. And she's just like a kick-ass Irish pirate of legend. Um, so, yeah, it brings me back to my Irish roots. And and I do like listening to a bit of, like, Irish folk um, at home and, like, to chill out. And whenever we have a... We have a huge Irish family. So whenever there's an Irish funeral, um, all the songs come out at the end. So everyone has a drink and we end up staying up into the morning and singing all these like Irish folk songs. Um, and I never know the words to all of them, but it's like that kind of all get together and celebrate and sing. So it reminds me of that. Okay, so this is? This is Anne Bonnie by Carleen. Okay, so moving on from Anne Bonny from Carleen, we have another theatrical, grandiose song. Who's this by? 
Yeah, so obviously we had the Diggy Diggy Hole palette cleanser, then we moved into Irish folk, and of course the next section is rock, natural transition. Um, this is like my dad's style of music that I grew up listening to. They used to have parties, my mum and dad, like at our house, and then they'd stay up and all have a boogie in the living room and listen to old school kind of rocky 80s songs. Um, this is a song, I have a particular memory of my dad after one of our parties and we'd all gone to bed and it was like two o'clock in the morning and he was doing the washing up and he was singing a refrain from this song which goes, just over and over again, almost like a howl while he was doing the washing up, just quite merry on, on some alcohol. Um, and then he loved this song uh, and we actually went to see Meatloaf, who it's by, in concert and I thought he was going to die um, because <laughs> when he was trying to hit some of the big notes, he was like on a little stool and I was like, oh my God, he does not look well. Like, is this really taking it out of him? Does he need a break? I wanted to go and make him a cup of tea at one point. He looked stressed. Anyway, um, uh, this because it is one of my dad's favorites um we actually played it at my dad's funeral and the funny thing about this at my dad's funeral is it has a very long instrumental introduction and so we hadn't edited it down we just (laughs) said to so he was being cremated so we just said like at the end of the service then play battle of hell and everyone will know that it's like his favorite song and it was like a bit my dad was a funny guy so it's like a bit of humor as well but because the instrumental was so long it was like no one knew what to do because it hadn't kicked in yet and they were like we don't know whether to close the curtains for the, you know, the cremation and then the coffin goes away. So there was this just really long pause while everyone waited for the song to kick in. Um, and then when the song, uh, the lyrics finally did kick in, everyone sort of had a little giggle because it was very my dad. Um, and and just also funny to play that out of hell in a religious setting. Um, <laughs> So my dad would have really enjoyed that. So yeah, this this one is for my dad, um, and it's Bat Out of Hell by Meat Okay, so moving on from Meatloaf, who's up next? So we're sticking on the kind of 80s rock theme. Um, and this is Alana Miles. And I lo- I just love a strong, like, female rocky voice. And when I say rock, I don't mean, like, metal like mm. version of rock. I, I'm, I love the old school, like... Yeah, that 80s style and a strong, belty female rock voice is great. So I just love this song. This is another one on my um, Dance Around the Kitchen playlist. Um, And it reminds me of like a period I went through when I was younger, when um, all my friends, when we were like teenagers, were all like into being grungy and skatery and all had the kind of 
bought skateboards that no one ever actually did anything with, but just sort of held because it was cool to hold a skateboard as if you were a skater. And they all had these like baggy jeans. And then someone said to me that um, I should be a goth because I had black hair and I was quite pale. So I was like, all right, great, that sounds good. So then for a week I was a goth and I wore a lot of black and a lot of black velvet and um, things that look like spider webs. Um, but it didn't last very long because I like colour too much. Um, but this uh, this song sort of reminds me of that sort of phase in my life and um, is another song I just grew up listening to in kind of my household. So. I, I think when this came out, I think like this that kind of this kind of flavor of rock music was kind of contemporary at the time you know like you know you know the, there was a lot of sort of that sort of hair metal you know nothing really heavy still very ballad dri driven um that was sort of pop culture at the time um but was but was still perceived as this sort of heavy thing then but but looking back doesn't doesn't look anywhere near as menacing as some people might have thought it was it's it's interesting how things change over time i think yeah because rock was so scary when it first came out wasn't it like even elvis was meant to be the first rock and roll and everyone was like oh you know all of the conservative people like oh he jiggles around a lot what's he teaching our children I, um i remember my gran being concerned about my cousin because she was listening to an awful lot of guns and roses and now, by today's standards, they look fairly tame compared to a lot of more modern rock stuff. Yeah, exactly. So my dad listened to what we now call the tame rock stuff. Um, so I was sort of brought up listening to all of that that stuff, you know, just at the weekend and things. Um, so, yeah, I've just written... I, I do love an 80s power ballad as well, though, I have to say. I feel like that era in music was just very dramatic and incredible. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, rock, rock was kind of just a real love in our household. And I think if I ever wanted to be a singer, I'd want to be a, a kind of 80s rock singer. Amazing. OK, so this is... This is Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Okay, so moving on from Alana Miles, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get stuck into that, for the benefit of anyone who's hearing about you for the first time, because you've got a fairly multifaceted career at this point, where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? So I have a website, samanthabaines.com, and I'm on social media, just at Samantha Baines. And then I also have a podcast called The Divorce Social, where I interview other people about divorce and I am a comedian, so it's not all doom and gloom, but hopefully it helps. Um, well, that's what the message is, I get say. It helps people going through um, difficult times and break up and it's just an honest look at what really happens. And you can get that on all your podcasting platforms. Amazing. So who's your last track by? So my last track is a bit of a classic. It features heavily in a lot of like, 
meme type videos that are created normally with celebrities doing weird things um and there was one i think with ben affleck at one point where um videos just zoomed in on his face sort of gazing into the distance and this that song was, that, was played over the top that was the bat flick one where he was sat in a in like a press interview and he just looked like he wasn't happy about the project in the slightest and they were kind of reading into it that he was unhappy to be involved with it and he was heartbroken because he'd always wanted to be batman and so yeah i remember this well yeah it's like it's like the losing the will to live stare yeah and then just slow zoom in with this song over the top um again it's sort of in that genre of music that my dad loved and played a lot when i was growing up and now it's become a bit of a favorite with me and my sister when it's like one o'clock in the morning and we're as i mentioned before like having a fire in the fire pit in my garden like drinking red wine and we just sing this into the like darkness and it's like a, a weird like drunk ritual that has started between me and my sister um and it's sort of because and that sounds like it could be quite creepy and sad but we do it in a very like fun and rejoicing in the in the sort of intensity of the song way um also i have a hearing aid and i'm an ambassador for action on hearing loss um and i like the uh, some of the lyrics in this song to do with silence and and sound and what that means as well just as a little layer underneath there but mainly it's a it's a anthem into the darkness that we sung a lot during lockdown but this is a more recent incarnation of this song yeah because i don't know why but this is just this is the version we listen to okay i wondered if it, was... i think it's, it has a little bit more of a rocky feel well yeah if you listen to any any of disturbed other material any of their original material it's certainly sort of in that i think they were kind of they sort of came to for during the kind of new metal kind of era although they they weren't doing that kind of hip-hop inspired rock music but they were they were very much of that kind of generation um and i wasn't aware of this cover i've, I've heard other covers that they've done which uh, and and it's something that they do quite well but yeah I, I really like a lot i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a huge fan of everything that they do this is disturbed but i am a fan of a lot of their covers and I think it's what's interesting about streaming platforms is when you're looking for a specific song, you search the title of the song and then all these covers come up. And then actually that's an amazing way to discover new bands that you weren't aware of or through a cover of a song that you really enjoy. So um, it's, at, it's how I find a lot of, I because I'm quite, when I'm chillaxing, I'm quite into um, jazz. Um, but I didn't include it in, in this playlist because it's not really, none of those songs have strong sort of memories or um, like at moments of my life that link to them. But I do enjoy listening to kind of mellowy jazz when I'm at home. And, and that's how I find a lot of new artists is by searching covers of things that I know or, or like already or covers of other artists. Um, so yeah, this is just a cover that we found almost by accident when searching on a streaming platform, um, but really enjoyed. 
Amazing. Okay, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this. It's uh, it's (laughs) kind of the weirdest playlist of all time. That's the title that I want. But we've, but I've, I thoroughly enjoyed it for for all of those reasons. Like, I started listening to this for the first time this morning, and I was like, even looking at the the playlist, I was like, right, okay. Um, But (laughs) but thoroughly enjoyed listening to all of the tracks. Like. You know, it, take, it takes you on different journeys. I feel there's a lot of emotions in there. It, def- it definitely does that. So, thank you very <laughs> much for sharing it with me. You're welcome. So that concludes this week's episode and what a wonderfully erratic and varied mixtape Samantha gave us. Um, Upon listening during the edit, I don't think I articulated my point of view about RuPaul's Drag Race very well. Um, I didn't mean that I thought you had to have a connection to the LGBTQ plus community to enjoy the show. But what I have really relished is listening to very alpha blokey blokes critique episodes and the approach of various contestants as if discussing the weekend football Uh, I think that's a wonderful thing now as promised I've placed links to Samantha's website and her podcast in the show notes and as always we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do so if you'd like to listen to Samantha's mixtape in full you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in those show notes And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share this with a friend. But for now, I will see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.